Hey, I'm Aldwin. And I'm Jason. And this is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. Why I didn't get excuse me? Can you talk louder so everyone can hear you asking me about my drugs? I mean, if we had Hawkeye, you would be so freaking embarrassed right now. Well, how come they can say whatever they want to me? Oh, it's all talent. I don't worry. I just sit on the couch. I don't want to look like I am I going to be his boyfriend. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. And I think you're wearing silver for a reason because it is our silver anniversary episode. Is that 25 episodes? Yeah. I can't believe it. 25 motherfucking episodes. Like, that is a lot of episodes. <laughs> it is a lot of episodes. I mean, who who could have thunk it? Who could have thunk it? I mean, don't you remember planning and prepping for episode number one and all the care that we put into it? <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> yeah, now we're just schlepping it. No, we're not. We, we're uber prepared as much as we can for each of our weekly episodes. Remember when we used to do every other week and then we became a weekly show? Yeah, we there was so much tennis to cover that we thought it necessary to, you know, be on your devices of choice on a weekly basis. Yeah, and here we are. Number 25. Number 25. Should we celebrate in some way? Like, I didn't even think about it. Like, you know, in planning for this podcast, I didn't even realize that we were at 25. So what do you think? Should we do something cool? I mean, what can we do? It, it's so ill-prepared. I guess we could ask each other what our fondest episode is so far or a fondest <laughs> memory. Well, obviously, our fondest memory of episode of our first season is the Genie interview. Yes, I definitely would say that was the highlight because we showed off our chops for all the future players who are going to get interviewed by us. I know. And it's it's funny because, you know, for uh, first time podcasters to have a, a name like Je- like Jeannie Bouchard be on your pod the very first season, like she set the bar really, really high. Yeah. And all because of the unicorn floaty. All because of the uniform uniform. Uni- <laughs> <laughs> this drink, always a drink, always the always the fault of the drink. But honestly, the drink of the unicorn floaty was the reason that she ended up coming on. I feel like we could do a full like reel of you flubbing a few <laughs> words here and there. <laughs> I think that could be a thing. I mean, you it just goes to show that you can have your own podcast and flub words. Yeah, like don't don't you remember at the beginning of our podcast journey I would say, you know, um I want to discuss this. Do we have time for it? And you would <laughs> you would be like, bitch, it's our podcast. We can do whatever the <laughs> frick we want. <laughs> yeah. And then we then we had car, car blanche at that point. We we're like, yes, this is our show. It's going to go an hour and 10 minutes if we want to. I know. And here we are. Episode 25. Episode 25. And on this day where we are recording episode 25, our boy FAA won a doubles mm-hmm. title, a master's doubles title. Yeah, he kind of redeemed himself for having a pretty dismal single season. Yeah, he, you know, he sort of flamed out 
later in the season after the COVID break, as it seems like a lot of players are calling it, like the COVID break. Um, and uh, yeah, he's struggled on the singles court, but he found a Polish doubles partner and won the title. And I mean, for most of the match, it looked like he was going, him and his buddy there, Hubert Hercash, didn't look like they were going to take the championship away. But miraculously, they were down 3-6 in the second set tiebreak, saved five freaking championship championship points. And, you know, for only their second outing together, they now have a Masters doubles series title. Yeah. I mean, it's cool to see more players like him and Dennis and some of the other high-profile players um, playing doubles. I do think a lot of players have talked about in the past, those who have played doubles, how it helps them with their singles games. So I think for someone like him, Dennis, particularly with his play at the net, he's shown improvements in his singles game as a result. So hopefully, uh, you know, that, that extends to Felix as well. Yeah, you know what I couldn't uh, help but be reminded of when I was watching uh, Suarez and Pavic lose all of those five championship points, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, tell me. Okay, let's go back to, I believe it was our first, or at least one of our first GLTA tournaments that we played together in doubles. Uh, It was at the CGO, I want to say maybe three years ago. It was a first round match. We played our friend Luke from the West Coast and he partnered with this muscle daddy. Do you remember his name? I don't, but I know I can picture him. Yes. And uh, I know I know for a fact that he's from the East Coast. And, you know, I I don't know, maybe I haven't shared this with you before, but, you know, Luke has had has had so much success on the GLTA tour. I really didn't know him very much very much of his doubles prowess but i was like okay you know this is one of our first one of our first tournaments that jay and i are playing together let's just go out there and just have fun and just do our best and we were winning do you remember that i do i remember we were winning and then they 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 were whittling away at our lead and then it went to a super tie break and in the super tie break i i believe the super tie break was never like a runaway for either team but we were kind of like you know, inching neck and neck toward that elusive, you know, those elusive 10 points. And we had a, we had, we had, we must have had a match point at 9 I think we did. Yeah. And I remember the guy, the older gentleman hit a ball down the line and <laughs> it was, I mean, we can say this now cause it's like so many years afterward, but it was literally on your <laughs> racket. <laughs> but I mean, that's what happens. It's a point here or there. Yeah. I mean, we've had a few heartbreaking losses that I tend to try and forget them as best I can. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations to FAA. And, you know, we'll get our first doubles title (laughs) at some point once the GLTA restarts. Yes. Congrats, FAA. We're so proud of you and Hubert for doing so well in in adversity. Mm hmm. Why do they call it Bercy? Is that just where the tournament is located? It, I thought it was in Paris. Yeah, so Bercy is the name of the stadium, I guess. Okay. And, you know, also the name of the subway stop. I remember that because I live. I didn't live close to Bercy, but I would o- always see it on the subway map. So I'm like, oh, that's where the, you know, championships are held. 
Did you watch a lot of the matches this week during the tournament where there were no fans and the the fan fake noise was going in and out during matches? I didn't notice that. I d- there was fan like there was fan fake noise as in clapping. Yeah, they had fake fan applause during the matches. They li- there was literally like no one there. Did they have um you know anything other than just <laughs> just like fake applause? Did they have like ooh oh? No, it's just the fake, <laughs> just the fake <laughs> applause. I mean, it's hard to modulate when a point is or how to gauge when a point is truly mm-hmm. exciting. I mean, there was certain points when. Uh, the the applause would start before the point was going to end because someone would hit a smash, but the other player would would return it. So the the applause was premature. I think that (laughs) happened once in the roundage match. It's just so interesting the times that we're in that 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 is happening. I mean, it's not as distracting uh, anymore as it was when I was watching the UTS and you sort of knew. But mm -hmm. yeah. What I thought, what I found funny about the atmosphere in Bercy was, you know, other than the courts where play was taking place, you know, if you looked up into the stands, like they wanted to save some some coins, so they they shut off the lights. <laughs> Did you notice that? It was, it was, yeah, it was dark. It was dark. <laughs> it was dark. They're like, if we're gonna hold this tournament, we're gonna save a little bit of money, and we're gonna shut off the lights in like the five hundred level seats. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, boys. Hope you can see. Yeah, so totally. It's like our club, with the lights. Oh, you mean East York? East, yeah. Well, both of them, East York and Supreme, both are cheap and cheerful. Yeah, you know what? I mean, when we play at East York and Supreme, who cares? I mean, actually, I guess, I guess, being you know, club, local club players, we're just used to <laughs> terrible conditions everywhere. We do our best because we love it. We love it. But no offense, Alistair, you still run a fabulous club at Supreme. Yeah, you no do, complaints. You do an amazing job. And, you know, sometimes you catch us playing with somebody who we shouldn't be and not paying the visitor fee. But we won't talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> um, sticking with Bercy, we wanted to congratulate Medvedev, who I Your love. Your boy. Yeah, I mean, he's starting to... My other half thinks he's cute. I don't, I don't really see him like that I just like his game I like watching him play and when he's on he's on and he was on against Raonic in the semifinals and you know it took him a bit to work into the match against Zverev but um, once he got into that second set and took the second set it was off to the races tell me okay tell me something about Medvedev's game that I've never noticed before and I was like okay mental note ask Jason this question what is up with his forehand his take back on his forehand is so whack to me. Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about this before. He kind of like swats at the ball or smack. It feels like he's smacking it. But the level of consistency and the level of di- direction he's able to get on the ball and the power and pace that he can get on it when he's um, trying to, you know, go for a winner is pretty impressive, despite the fact that the technique looks so poor (laughs) yeah his forehand just i mean we were talking about atp forehands and how you know um women players that emulate the atp forehand should have so much success but when i watch his take back on his forehand it does not look like a quote-unquote atp style forehand so i was like i gotta ask jason about that i mean i watched the match and uh the one word that i would probably use to describe the whole damn thing was control 
like so much control so many rallies over like 10 15 balls um lots of movement lots of court craft you know it was actually really enjoyable to watch yeah there's sort of there's a technical skill that those two guys have on the court just you know despite the fact that Medvedev's forehand looks a bit whack but his backhand is very tidy they both can hit the ball very well I think one of the things that I notice about both of them is that they they get down for low balls really well which is Mm. a skill that I think you and I would like to grow in our own games i think (laughs) when when it comes to them getting down for low balls they're actually able to um hit a normal shot whereas i think you know for myself on the forehand i might be able to hit a normal forehand but the backhand i'm always always go for a slice or try and pop it up um on Mm -hmm. a low ball so bend those knees yes yes our former coach would tell us to bend get down to the ball yeah, bend those knees. Both of them do that amazingly. I mean, and they're both like giants. So yeah. that's not that's no easy task for either of them. Yeah, Zverev looked particularly tall today. I don't know, he just seems bigger. But anyway, congrats to Medvedev. It's it's surprisingly his only his first title this year. Yeah, I mean, he was saying in the post-court Um, interview uh, he said quote before the tournament I was not in my best form I was actually crying (laughs) actually complaining to my wife oh my god I don't have the level I don't even have one final I am playing so bad so finally I'm the winner of Bercy with a tournament that I love so you know for a player of Medvedev's caliber you know for him to not come away with uh, you know, not to come out of 2020 without a title, I think would have been a huge disappointment. And here he is with a Masters 1000. Yeah, I think his, this is his third now. Mm-hmm. Which which other ones has he won? Do you know? Uh, he won Cincy. And then I forget what the other one is. Somebody's going to call us out for not knowing that. Probably, um, uh, what's his face? <laughs> <laughs> what's the guy his from face? Spain? <laughs> no, 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 not him. Oh, him, Bobby. Bobby. Bobby will let us know. Bobby, Bobby let always us know, lets us know. Let us know what other <laughs> title, what other Masters 1000 title did uh, did Medvedev win? Yeah. I mean, he, so it's him, it's Zverev, it's Tsitsipas, and it's team. So these are like the four guys that we keep talking about. It seems that they they only play well two at a time. So <laughs> this particular tournament, Tsitsipas and team flamed out early and Zverev and Medvedev made the final. They all mm-hmm. can't seem to play well at the same time. I don't, I, you know, once they can do that, maybe they're going to start to take control of, you know, the space that Nadal and Federer and Djokovic have at the moment. Yeah, they can legitimately call themselves as part of the new big four. If they can start playing more consistently. Yeah, pick it up, mofos. Yeah. I, oh, sorry, kind of a side note. So I'm still not loving Raonic's hair. Like, Raonic needs to cut his hair, sorry. I mean, just to make it a bit superficial for a hot second. But I don't know what it it is about this 2020 post-COVID situation season, but he's just looking so damn good in those shorts. (laughs) He looks thick. Yeah, he's got, he's gotten a bit thick and juicy. 
Do you think it's do you think it's muscle <laughs> like or is it because he's sponsored by New Balance, correct? Mm-hmm. Did New Balance change the style of their short? Because I mean, he's clearly. Uh, you know, an athlete and needs to be flexible and agile in whatever, you know, sporting equipment apparel he's wearing. But dang, son, it looks like he's wearing bike shorts (laughs) to me. (laughs) Yeah, I think we talked about this when he had that kit um, at the Cincinnati slash US Open. Mm -hmm. We were talking about how his how good his legs looked. So Milos, if you're listening, Come on our show and talk to us about your workout and whether New Balance has made you wear tighter shorts so we can see them <laughs> legs. Send us a pair. I want to try them on the court. I want to see if they're as tight as on me as they are on you. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's. I don't think they'll be as tight. No, I don't have a booty. I don't. You have a booty though. I'm yeah. I mean, I've won the best ass contest of Woody's <laughs> a few times. But we, I retired. I've since retired. I was hoping you'd share that. That was pr- that was before we met, I think. A girl, I I have receipts. I I've seen it. Oh, you! <laughs> I, I I saw that one time that we went together. Oh wait, I, you you saw one of my competitions? I did, oh, and okay. you know what? You just like any successful tennis player, you moved through the, through the draw. <laughs> <laughs> You got through the first round of contestants. <laughs> Safonda called you back on. I'm pretty sure. No, it was either Safonda or I forget the other Misconception. Queen. Misconception. Um, and I think you made it to the finals. You just didn't get all the applause. Oh, yeah. I, 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 uh, maybe I didn't wear the right underwear that day. <laughs> <laughs> how do we? How do we segue? So we're we were talking about Bercy, and we wanted to talk a little bit about Zverev. We need to get serious. Yes, serious time. Yeah, so um, obviously there's been a lot going on for Zverev. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think some of it, he would say, has been great, and he's been feeling good about his success on the court. He won twice in Cologne uh, at some, I think they were sort of make-up tournaments that the ATP put together um, in light of COVID, and then Mm -hmm. uh, made the final uh, this week. But new information and new allegations came out from his second ex not the pregnant one (laughs) the pillow allegation one right from olga sharapova yes a former tennis player i actually didn't know that until i read um one of the stories that covered this right so you know since our covering of this story last week you know, she sat down with Ben Rothenberger of Racket Magazine and went into even more depth about the alleged abuse, you know, controlling and obsessive behavior that she experienced when she was with Zverev. I mean, the interview that I read on my way home is pretty in depth. There's a lot of shocking allegations. We're not going to go into all of them. But, you know, before we go into that, I think it's important to note that, you know, Jason and I being podcasters, we received a little flack, I would say, from some of our listeners. Um, I said last week that, you know, all of these allegations that are coming forward about Zverev, about him being a new baby daddy, about the allegations of abuse, you know, is a perfect time for him to be introspective and to be reflective about why things 
of this nature are happening to him. And one of our listeners, Courtney, who I love, sorry, not Courtney, yeah, Ellen, Ellen, sorry, is her first name. Um, on our Facebook page, she uh, responded to our to my comment of the introspection when she said, you know, I'm confused why introspection would be a sufficient recommendation for this Zverev situation. Shade, so, shade. Uh, shade, you know, <laughs> and like, listen, I guess when, we're, when you're podcasters and you cover stories of this nature, you're opening yourself up to criticism, like any, you know, any people with a platform, anyone with a platform. So all that to say that, you know, before we dive into the whole story of Zverev and Olga Sharapova, you know, I think Jason and I want to be careful when we cover stories like this because there are obviously two sides to every story. We want to report on what we know, on what facts we have heard or we've researched. And we don't, like, I certainly don't want to be jumping in and being like, you know, Zverev needs to, like, clean up his act because him beating his ex-girlfriend is just wrong. I mean, I don't know that to be true. Right. So we, right, we don't know that the allegations are true. We know that they should be taken seriously, and if there's a way to investigate them, that they should be investigated. But to stick up for you, we are not perfect, and like you said, we do our best in our sort of way that we talk about issues on this show to cover them as best we can, and we are happy to hear from our listeners like Ellen and have us be corrected or checked or uh, look into a different way of seeing a situation or a story. Yeah, you know, and obviously that's this is all not to, you know, discourage people from replying or responding to what we share in the podcast. Actually, we want people to be more engaged. Like, tell us what you think, because that's what makes our commentary colorful, right? So, you know, thank you, Ellen, for responding. We always love your messages that you post on Facebook. We know that you love, you know, Nadal. So just (laughs) (laughs) keep those comments coming in. I wonder how she feels about Zverev beating Nadal this week. Probably doesn't like that. No. Like at all. (laughs) Tell us, Ellen. Tell us what you think. (laughs) (laughs) Message us, girl. Okay. So back to Olga Sharapova. Um, Again, we're not going to go into all of the details. Just a couple of highlights from our interview with Ben Rothenberg. Um, She talks about the first time she experienced abuse with Zverev. It took place in Monaco. And she says, quote, the first time was in Monaco in his apartment. I was going to leave because we had a really big fight. I was standing in the hallway and he hit my head into the wall. You know, so this was her first experience um, of physical abuse that she alleges with Zverev. And, you know, she goes on in the interview to talk about her experiences, not only with the physical part of it, but the mental part of it. Like she told Rothenberg that he would say things to her like, you're a nobody, like, I've got all the money, you know, you're a nobody, um, you know, basically that your life is worthless without me. And so she, you know, goes on and on about how she was pretty much belittled her entire um, relationship, I guess, for most of 2018 and 2019 with Zverev. And um, I don't know, it, it, it got to a point at the 2019 US Open where, you know, she had had this Um, physical situation with Zverev in Monaco and she talks about a fight that she had with him um, in the week leading up to the US Open and she says quote 
It wasn't our normal fight. It was really scary. I was really, I was screaming. And because of that, he threw me down onto the bed, took a pillow and sat on my face. There's so many fart jokes that you can make here, but we won't make them. That's, I mean, that's, that sounds awful. Yeah. I mean, yes, it absolutely does sound awful. He sat, Um, he sat on her face. He sat on her face. And, you know, what happened in the aftermath of that is that she hap- she managed to get away. She escaped into the lobby, but she explains in the interview that she didn't want to be um, noticed by anyone, particularly because it was a hotel where many tennis players were staying at. So she called a friend, um, uh, a gentleman by the name of Vassil Serduk, who is a childhood friend that whisked her away back to New Jersey. And this is the part that actually gets me real kind of crazy because when she was whisked away by her friend Vassal, they ended up in New Jersey and Vassal's stepmother, um, who, who remained unnamed in the interview, Vassal and his stepmother con- convinced Olga that the best thing for her to do was to reconcile with him. Wow. <laughs> like they basically told her like, girl, you know, you should go back. You should try to patch things up with him. Like this girl just escaped from a situation in her hotel room where her face was being, I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Her face was being sat on. And uh, the only advice that they had to give her was you need to go back and fix things with him. Yeah. It sounds like she made the wrong phone call. Yeah. Like absolutely the wrong phone call. Anyway, to, to kind of tie things up, you know, Every, this terrible relationship that she documents in this interview um, comes to a climax when she's with Zverev in Geneva. So in Geneva, um, I'm almost certain that in Geneva, it was the Labor Cup and she was there, you know, in support of her man. And she says, quote, you know, that when she was in Geneva, there was, hold on, let me just look for it here. Yeah, she said, we had another fight, and in that fight, he punched me in the face for the first time. So she had talked previously about, like, their previous fights being physical in the sense of being shoved, you know, being, you know, pushed against a wall. But this was the first kind of altercation that she had with him where he she was actually physically punched. And as a result of that situation, she tried to end her life by taking insulin in the bathroom. So if you're if you're intrigued by this story, if you're if you want to know a little bit more, it's um, yeah, you know you can you can Google it online. You can you can read the entire article, but that's some crazy ish, girl. I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, it's fairly detailed uh, account. I know. I think. Uh, it was this week where she started laying out a few more of those details when the Racket magazine interview came out um yeah i mean it's it's fairly detailed i again it's hard to unfortunately it's hard to sort of offer evidence unless you have you're willing to sort of show text messages and you know photos and you're trying to put all of that together obviously um you have to take those kinds of allegations seriously Mm -hmm. Uh, Zverev was very um, to the point in his speech at the tour- tournament that um, made sort of made clear that the allegations were false and you know p- 
that she's someone who's just trying to bring her down but it is hard to take that kind of approach seriously when her allegations are fairly detailed yeah you know you had mentioned in that explanation that you know it's important to kind of corroborate the stories with with factual evidence so in the interview with Rothenberg you know there are um there are pictures that um, her friend, the friend that whisked her away from, you know, uh, from her hotel in New York City, New York City, Vassal Serduk, he, they showed a picture of her suitcase on the floor. Like right. it had been, it had been like gone through. And she claims that um, Zverev had gone through her suitcase to like take her passport so that she couldn't flee back to Russia. You know, she even claims that he took back the gifts that he had given her, which is like a, like an, a disgusting, awful thing to do. And there are also kind of um, screenshots of text messages that she had sent between her and Vassal asking for help because she had no shoes. Like she had no shoes when she escaped her room in New York City on the streets of New York like needing to have someone like pick her up. So there's, there's definitely evidence there. Um, and my whole thing is like, you know, again, being really sensitive about the topic, you want to provide, um, you know, you want to provide the facts as you understand them. And I'm not in any way trying to like deny her truth, like what she shared with the world. Um, you know, but at the same time, you have to be like what I was going to say is like, how, why would anyone fabricate a story like this? Like who would go? Why would anyone go through the lengths of fabricating an, an entire story about this? And if it is like, let's if it is fabricated, what kind of sick, sick person would do that? You know? Yeah, that's why it's always very hard to <clears throat> bring analysis to a topic like this because it is so very sensitive and it's two people telling a story and you know as um <clears throat> as a woman you want a woman to be comfortable to come forward because for years and years and years women were you know would not share the truth because they knew maybe they wouldn't be believed um mm -hmm. so now we're in this place where i think women are becoming more comfortable obviously for good reason sharing stories and hopefully um, comfortable sharing stories sooner which in this case um, she she's sort of doing but yeah it is hard to assess um, there is a lot of detail there it's hard to know what's going to happen uh, going forward um, obviously there's a lot of good things happening for Zverev not that that means that she's chosen <clears throat> a time uh, this time to share that story for any particular reason. But yeah, it is hard to as assess and really um, focus, but her allegations should obviously be looked into. However, um, authorities can look into that. Yeah, you know, I mean, going back to Ellen's comment, um, he should be, and I mean, Olga has Olga said at the beginning of her interview that she's not looking for any kind of like compensation. She's not doing it 
this interview and sharing her story in general for any other reason than trying to be a voice for other women and men, you would think, experiencing the same thing. Um, but, you know, if these allegations are true, Zverev has to take responsibility for that. I mean, you know, w- without making things too political, we now have a new president of the United States, you know, the 45th president. Sixth, well, the, I, the, the 45th, I, I was trying to reference Trump. Oh, OK. The, you know, the 45th president, Donald Trump, you know, had a history of not taking responsibility for things that he said like things that actually came out of his mouth. And, you know, I think we're moving into a, mo- a social kind of consciousness of taking accountability for what you do. So, I mean, all that to say that if these allegations are true, he has to be responsible for it and suffer the consequences, whatever they may be. The story sounds very similar to the Ryan Adams, Mandy Moore story. Do you know that story? You probably, (laughs) I mean, Ryan Adams is one of my favorite musicians, but I've had to take a, you know, long, hard look at my love for his music because he has had allegations of um, assault and, you know, trying to um, use uh, sex with some younger musicians as a means of, Um, helping them with their career and his wife was Mandy Moore as you probably know a musician and actress on This Is Us oh my favorite they they were married and um, she um, talked a lot about um, the abuse mostly emotional that she felt um, in in the similar vein of Zverev telling allegedly telling Olga that you know she she wasn't um she had no value without him. Um, so he, I think, had a similar um, way of talking to her about her music and her career. Um, and he was, I guess, you know, seen as a more le- legitimate artist and musician compared to her in there, his own on, eyes. I don't know what kind of podcast, <laughs> podcast episode this is turning into. <laughs> no, all, the only reason why I'm saying that is because, like, Clearly, structures that we have been used to as a society, all of the imbalances that have now bubbled up to the surface and have presented their themselves, racial, um, sexual, like things have got to change. And, you know, the, it's just not acceptable anymore. And so, yeah, I mean, no one wants no one wants these allegations to be true. But as I mentioned before, if the allegations are true, then it's time to kind of take ownership over them. And I don't mean to when I say take ownership over them, I don't mean to water down um, the gravity of the situation. But it is everyone's personal responsibility to take ownership of their own fucking life. You know, if you're fucking saying these things and you are, you know, actually doing these are, are actually assaulting people, you have to take a look at yourself. I don't know what's why that's so wrong to say. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think you have to. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, we're not saying anything other than these allegations need to be taken seriously. And Zverev at the same time is defending his position, especially, uh, you know, I posted the story of his, um, the tail end of his uh, speech after losing the tournament today, where he said, I know that right now there are a lot of people who will, um, be trying to wipe the smile off my face, but I'm still smiling, smiling under this mask. Uh, everything's great on court and off the court. Um, 
everything's great in my life and I'm going to be a father soon. Um, those who are trying uh, can keep trying uh, to take the smile off my face, uh, but I'll keep smiling. Mm. All right. Well, he seems to be in a positive place. I mean, yeah, it just goes to show you someone uh, has allegations or bring, is bringing forward allegations and they're um, legitimate and they are are saying that those are true and Zverev is saying that they're not. So now we're in this place of now those things both need to be looked at and then Zverev is going to be judged by the tennis community for mm-hmm. how these how these things uh, evolve. Yeah. Um you know, I forget. I forget who it was that made this comment, but you know, it's. Pro- I. Th- I think I'm not sure. I, I think. I just want to say for the record, I think in the interview, you know, what happens when, you know, a person that's part of a sporting federation, in this case the ATP, what do they do with a player that has allegations of this nature brought forward? You know, is there any reprimand? And the ATP, the only thing that the ATP has that's clear um, in terms of rules in relation to a situation like this is that, you know, players to conduct themselves in a way that doesn't tarnish their own personal image and that of the ATP. So, I mean, it's not within their jurisdiction. I mean, it's his personal life, right? Um, So I don't know why the ATP would have anything to do with that. But, I mean, it just goes part and parcel with the fact that you are... A person on a public stage again and I've said this on previous podcasts before with the influence of millions of people and for better or for worse your reach is so much farther so whatever example that you set you are you're just setting it for millions of people so it's it's a it's kind of like a behind the eight ball situation oh my god you circled it back to like four months ago when he <laughs> was at the adria tour and yeah. you made that comment to his ig account and it blew up yeah i mean girl listen like no one asks to be put like n- very few people ask to be put in a situation like this but it's just the way our world is and when you have that kind of platform you have to be mindful of your reach period and let's let me just say uh, to be clear for all of my listeners, I made a small fart joke regarding the pillow in the face, <laughs> and obviously, if Zverev sat on her face over a pillow, that is completely terrible. So yes. it was just a small moment of levity in this very serious uh, story that yes. we want to cover. So I know people might want to call me out for making a fart joke. Um, but in most cases, they're funny. This case, it's not. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. I mean, you know, we wish them both the best and hopefully this gets figured out. However, yeah. that's going to happen. Period. Point blank and to period. <laughs> um, so it wouldn't be our 25th episode if we didn't talk about our friend Nick Curios. (laughs) Oh, wait, you know what? He is a weekly... It almost feels like he's our second guest on our podcast with as much time as we give him on our show. (laughs) Yeah, he's an invisible guest. He's, you know, we're constantly following him on IG, hanging out with his girlfriend, hanging out with his friends. He's got a little posse. He's having a good time. And we talked last week about having seen that reality show, Re rehabilitation rehab reputation Mm -hmm. sorry reputation rehab 
reputation rehab with those funny hosts. Yeah, and he was he was of course being an Australian show with that title was the very first subject that they wanted mm-hmm. to rehab. And he graced the episode with his presence and with some, you know, self-deprecation and had a bit of fun. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we've had a bit of fun with him um, on the social media um, and we've had a few different exchanges. So. Lisa, sorry, can I just can I just set this up for you? Yeah, for because sure. Because I want I want you to take the cake on this on this kind of interpretation <laughs> slash explanation. So, uh, you know, in the preamble to this, obviously Jason was setting it as well, the way that I interpreted interpreted it as was that you know in this episode that we watched of Nick Kyrgios, he came off as really fucking likable. He came off as like a person of like salt of the earth. You know, your average Joe just happens to be a tennis player. And, you know, that bad boy moniker image that he's been living up to and that maybe the media has sensationalized to some degree, you know, seemed to water to be watered down a little bit. Like, I actually found him to be so endearing. Like, I became a super fan of Nick after watching that episode. So, you know, in in that same vein, Jason thought it would be a, a good opportunity to reach out to him. You know, because we had we were, we were feeling the warm and fuzzies. We're we're in our feelings. We're like, this is a good kind of angle for us to reach out to our guy Nick to see if he'll be on the show because he's to us he's so likable now. Mm-hmm. And so, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So I tried because um, what we've noticed, uh, especially for players that we follow on Instagram, is that there are certain players who actually. Uh, look at their stories um, and show them as seen and I know that I guess there's bots or programs that can do that for them but uh, he along with you know Jeannie who we eventually got on the show uh, are folks who do look at their own stories so I thought let's send him a message so Mm. I believe you know I don't have our message up but I can paraphrase I, I, I believe I said I know you called us albatrosses, <laughs> but we l- saw your show, Reputation Rehab, and we thought it was very cool that you said yes to appear on a show like that. And we would love for you to come on our humble Canadian tennis podcast. What do you say? Which I thought was so beautifully worded. Like, how could you say no to that? I mean, you just gave away the ending. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, he didn't technically say no. (laughs) He said, nah, period. N-A-H. Like, not even no. Like, let's dissect that for a hot minute. (laughs) He didn't say, okay, he didn't say, you know what, listen, no, thank you. There wasn't even a thank you. And it wasn't even a no. It was a nah. Like for, for me, I just feel like we get extra credit for having got a little deeper under his skin than other people <laughs> that he would give us a nah versus like a no thanks. Yeah. Like, but I mean, maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but nah is definitely more of like a get the, get the fuck out yeah, of here. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm perfectly fine with that. That's why, that's why my response was like, Cool, man. (laughs) Honestly, when I saw that come through, I just could not stop laughing because it is so, to me, it is so Nick. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, from 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 what we have seen from him, you know, it just is so Nick. And like your response <laughs> to him, <laughs> cool. Man. Did you even use like the the cool man emoji with the shades? No, I just said cool man. <laughs> and what a fucking dick! <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was perfect. I mean, that's why I shared it on. Uh, on the GLTA players lounge. And I was like, thanks Nick for keeping up appearances. (laughs) (laughs) It was, yeah, it was pretty spot on, which yeah. Yeah. It just sort of sings of his personality and why people love him or love to hate him. Yeah. And you know, like funny enough that we're covering this response because literally within the last day or two, a new story came out about Nick Kyrgios uh, he did an interview with this publication called News Corp, and he talked about his, you know, struggles with depression and um, loneliness on the tour. You know, he says in this interview, quote, on tour, there's a seven month block when I don't get to see my family or be at home. So I'm really taking advantage of everything going on on at the moment. You know, he says, I don't think people understand how lonely tennis can be. You're out there on the court on your own. You can't really talk to anyone. You have to figure things out for yourself. I did struggle with that. So, like, again, pulling at our heartstrings, like, okay, I feel so sorry for you. But then you read our nicely written invitation by the, one of the nicest people, Jason, on earth, you know, <laughs> and you you write, nah. <laughs> So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like that, that. That's definitely a fuck you. And then I don't know. I just don't know what to think about him anymore. Well, I mean, I think <clears throat> there's obviously some players who don't get on with him very well, and there's players that he likes to troll, as he talked about on Reputation Rehab. But there's something endearing about him that people see, and they're able to see past all of the you know, behavioral things and the lack of effort that sometimes comes out from him on the mm-hmm. court. And, you know, Dominic team talked about how much he liked him. Andy Murray, I think, and him have a really good relationship. So I think mm-hmm. there are people who just appreciate him for who he is, or they just choose um, and know that it's not a good thing to get on his bad side. So <laughs> they're just going <laughs> to be friends or pretend to be friends. But I think there's a lot to like, uh, about him and I think if you know I was his friend and I knew this podcast called Ready Play Tennis Podcast was trolling him and they had sent funny things about his effort and not wanting to win a slam and that you know he's not as entertaining and or as good as FAA and then we invited him to come on and he said yeah and I was his friend I'd probably be giving him a high five for <laughs> doing that <laughs> Okay, but okay, but we're not really trolling him though. No, we're just. Ha- we're I mean, not. we're just having a little fun, and you know, he admits to doing the same thing with other people. So you know, right. he's he's able to take it as much yes. as he's able to give it. But uh, I think eventually we will um, help him turn over a leaf, and I I think we'll get him on the show. You know, maybe not episode twenty five, but episode one twenty five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he Nick is definitely going to be on the show at some point in the future. I mean, Jeannie, again, Jeannie set the bar really high, but season two, watch out. Jeannie <laughs> and him are friends. Jeannie, can you talk to Nick and get him on the show? Yeah, slide into his DMs, girl. You play doubles with him. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> is Jeannie playing in Lintz? No. Lintz? Is it Lintz or Lintz? Lintz. Linz, Linz, Linz. Oh my in God. Austria. Austria. No, oh, she, okay. she, she's not. She just posted on her IG something like, um, you know, 
postseason or off season something or other and she posted a picture of herself with beautiful curls and makeup like she is after a successful 2020 covid season um she's you know chilling and she it's much deserved for her so she's back in nevada this morning i saw her post a couple of mcdonald's breakfast sandwiches (laughs) yeah and then like seven hours later a plate of uh oysters yeah she loves her food yeah. She loves her food. And, and her j- hair's looking good. And just so we're clear, the breakfast sandwiches were like a pre-workout. If you saw the interview <laughs> with us, she likes to have a lot of protein and a mix of protein and carbs before she does a workout. So we're not mm-hmm. food shaming her. She's an athlete. She's an athlete. You know, and it, whatever. Even if she was it, even if she was eating those egg, McMuff- egg McMuffins. Were they egg McMuffins? Yeah. Or were I think they breakfast sandwiches? Bre- they, were, they were definitely McDonald's breakfast sandwiches. I recognize that yellow wrapper. <laughs> even, even if they were not for a pre-workout, you know, if she wanted to have two for herself, no judgment here, girl. We've all been there. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I was sad to not see the hash brown. I would have had the hash brown. Dang, those hash browns are good. I know. <laughs> so we're almost wrapping up, but we last week we talked about how there was the most consequential election that was happening in our neighbor's herstory. We should talk about this. I'm glad that we're closing our, our show with this little piece. Yeah, so it went on for days and days. And, you know, we're not going to get political, but some of them states need to figure out when and how they count ballots because Pennsylvania, you can ca- start counting them before, okay? So, okay, just really quickly, the situation in Pennsylvania was like all of the mail-in ballots were counted on the day of the election? They couldn't start the the law in that state. They can't start counting them until the day of the election, which is which is dumb. I mean, uh, we were uh, we were on pins and needles for days and days like Pennsylvania come through. Yeah, like, I mean, fu- I couldn't I I was like enough already with whoever the guy is on CNN at that board, you know, <laughs> giving the numbers of how Biden was ahead by like 71 percent with like Biden getting 790 votes and Trump getting 210 votes. It was like too much. Yeah. I mean, honestly, for me, I don't know if you're comfortable with this, but like, I don't mind sharing my political affiliation. I th- I do despise Donald Trump and all of those IG videos that people posted of that song. You know that song? You about to lose your job. I didn't <laughs> you see that. You about to lose your job. <laughs> I was like, yes, I reposted all of them. Get that guy out of there. And, you know, just to kind of reel it back to tennis, Miss um, Sloan Stevens twittered is that a verb tweeted tweeted (laughs) Twitter. if you're kathy griffin she's she says twatted twatted i got it yeah she's you know what now that now that (laughs) (laughs) now that trump is out of the white house she can come back she's not blacklisted anymore yeah maybe they'll let her back on cnn but she's probably (laughs) like screw you anderson i know that's that's a different podcast but anyway (laughs) So Sloane Stevens tweeted, quote, healing unity, a way forward and our first woman and first woman of color to be VP. Oh, girl, Mamala, because <laughs> that's how she said it, I'm sure. Let's get it, Madame Vice President. So Sloane Stevens is really happy with the election result. I have to apologize because I was part of making Trump famous. I was a regular watcher of his NBC reality show. 
<laughs> Apprentice and the spin-off Celebrity Apprentice with all those B, C, and D list celebrities who provide <laughs> for charitable money um, and doing a good thing and, you know, often hearing you're fired. And now he's going to get his own popular refrain. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You got fired, honey. Yeah. So- well, he's not, he's obviously not taking it lightly. Uh, not that we want to see him on a tennis court, but he does tend to go out on golf courses, which I think he did this weekend. I see. Yeah. I mean, all of the coverage about, you know, a possible statement coming from his camp just reported that he was spending this time on a golf course. Mm-hmm. I guess if I guess if you were Trump in this situation, that's where you'd want to be. Yeah, he's right? going to he's not going to go quietly, but, I, you know, I don't think he's going to, you know, refuse to leave the white house I, I just don't see that happening i think he'll go out just fine and hopefully everything will go back to normal and you know biden and harris will have a covid plan and and maybe they'll clean mm-hmm. things up but i mean on i think it's worth noting that on the other side of the aisle i mean you and i have had mentioned this before but you know we kind of alluded to there being um you know, we had gotten information allegedly, <laughs> allegedly from our friend Kyle that there was kind of a posse of Republican uh, supporting or leaning tennis players. And uh, I was kind of desperately looking at Twitter to see what tweets they had sent out over the past few days. And, uh, you know, so I looked at Isner, I looked at Tennis Sangren, and I mean, there was some stuff about the election, but I just, I, explained to you before it was difficult for me to follow just some like random videos that they had posted and like you know I thought there would be something more out outwardly or just outrightly in support of the Republican Party but there wasn't so maybe I needed to dig a little deeper and Sam Curry is still nowhere to be found where is she where is she it's a running joke now on the GLTA players lounge like you know, when I posted last week, like, someone give me a lead on where this guy is. No one knows <laughs> where he is. And it's been weeks now. And we, But we do know that, you know, the TLGTA and the GLTA players were all posting their love and support for the election and congratulating. And we're so excited to see a woman VP and to see Biden elected. So um, I think there's a feeling that uh, people can breathe again. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, you know, congratulations to all of our GLTA sisters who feel like um, perhaps their country will um, be more respected on the world stage again. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many kind of conversations you got into with all of our GLTA sisters, but, you know, I definitely was, I was definitely messaging Matt on the on the day of election, on the election day. And I was like, girl, what are your feelings about Arizona and Nevada? He's like, I am holding my breath. I don't even know. I frankly, anyway, we could go on and on about it. But yes, congratulations to our friends down mm-hmm. south. That's it. That's Next it. Next week, I think we're going to preview the world tour finals which you and i are very excited about we don't have time to talk about because we need to have things to talk about next week yeah and you know what this is a shady comment like the wta tour calendar is not done lins is being played this week but the reason why we didn't cover is because no one cares (laughs) so (laughs) so 
Oh, well, ladies. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about who won and how people did and if there's anything interesting. But at the moment, it's not being played on my TSN network, so I can't watch it. I know. that. What a travesty that women's tennis is not being played. Like, that's the reason. I don't know. We need a, we ha- we still have we need a whole episode on this. We need a whole episode on the WTA and their marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. For another week. For another week. Until next week. We'll All- see you later. See you later. Hey, it's your serve. If you love this episode, be sure to give us a five-star review. And don't forget to share it with others and let them know what all the racket's about. See what I did there? And don't forget, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ready Play Tennis Podcast. See ya.